man. We All are right. Woohoo. Did anyone find this one to be kind of lopsided as far as male versus female? I did. Um, um, I think that's mainly just because of my fan, my, my fandom for some of the actors. Okay. Guess, you know. Yeah. Which is actually interesting because I think I think actresses get typecast more often. For sure. But it's so hard for me to find that, like when I was looking at the, so one of the ones I found like, and probably end up being my honorable mention was Julie Andrews. Yeah. And um, how she breaks her typecast because she does Mary Poppins and then the Sound of Music back to back. Right. Both Oscar level performances. And then Wait, the Sound of Music wasn't supposed to be a family movie? It was. That's what I'm saying. She she was typecast as the, you know, paternal mother, like, you know, with great advice kind of. Oh, I thought you were saying she broke her typecast. No, no, no. She did those two movies back to back. So she films mm -hmm. Mary Poppins and then right. so the next year films. Yeah. Right. So she was typecast. So she breaks that typecast like two years later by doing a movie called SOB where she actually goes topless. Uh, SOB, it actually took her a long time to get from, that was the sound of music was 65. SOB was 81. So she was typecast yeah. for 15 well, I'm just, years. What I'm saying is though, those first two movies of hers set her typecast. Right. And then years later she does SOB where she's like, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm tired of playing this. I want to do something for me now. And so she does. Um, her husband actually directed it. Hmm. So, interesting. But, like it was interesting. Like you think Julie Andrews, you automatically either go to Mary Poppins or The Sound of Music. Yeah, the Sound of Music for sure. And that's so it's like Shirley Jones, right? Yeah. Typecast as the down home girl, great singing voice, and then she does Grandma's Boy, or she's a fucking whore. Oh, right. So it slept with over like a thousand men or whatever it was. I was like, I just love that sign. I, I knew I should have worn a condom. <laughs> bro, when she said that she fucked Charlie Chaplin, I fucking right, died. Right? I literally <laughs> broke down uh, Abbott and Costello. <laughs> I love that movie. I watch that movie probably once a month. Like it's just one of those movies that I'll throw on and like, cause it's just fucking funny. And like, you need a good laugh. Where do you get your weed? Mr. Cheezle from you, Dante. From you, Dante. Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, your antlers are huge. You can outsmart a monkey, but nobody fucks with a tiger. <laughs> right. Dude, your ass is tanner than my face. <laughs> okay um yeah so i i had a, i had a pretty good list going one of mine will i mean and i talk about this movie all the time so like it won't be a surprise that this movie made the list for me so let's get into it all righty oh. uh 
farthest away would be Chris. All right. Um, I got, oh, which one was it? Oh, there we go. So uh, my number three is Michael Keaton. Batman? Yeah, Batman. I feel like it was kind of a... He's a great actor, too. Great all around. Yeah, but like at the time... At the time, he was he was the gung ho Mr. Mom, like he was yeah. that. The yeah. Transition from stand up, you know, he tried to do stand up for a little bit and just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, him and the other guys were hilarious. So. He was that he was that likable comedic actor, you know, that you could throw in any situation and you would just find him, you know, he would just be perfect for it. Um, you know, he was the he was a really likable straight guy in all these comedies. Right. Batman, though. Well, yeah, and so that was, and I remember when that movie came out. First off, that was probably one of the last movies I ever saw at, like, in the first row. Don't ever. He, he, he sat in the first row to watch it. Well, because Batman came out, and me and Nick went. Me and my buddy Nick went to go see it, not expecting because it was like in the middle of the day on like a fucking Friday. Like we skipped school to go see this movie. Everybody skips school to go see it. And then the only two seats that were left were the two up front. So we're like, we're watching this fucking 40 foot tall Batman with our heads fucking cricked back. Like it was terrible. But like everybody was saying that Tim Burton was basically an idiot for hiring this guy. Oh yeah. Like the, the fanboys fucking hated the casting. Yeah. Thought that Keaton was going to make it too campy. Yeah, like they and they, oh Tim Burton, like they like nobody fucking liked it, and now it's considered arguably the best Batman movie. What an amazing uh, character build that early for Penguin, huh? I mean, like in that time of like movie special effects. I'm oh sure. yeah, Danny DeVito for sure. Cover. But yeah, like I, you can't look at that and see Danny DeVito without knowing that that's Danny DeVito. Well, and whenever so that's Batman too. First off. Um, but when everybody said Danny DeVito's as the penguin, it was like, Oh shit. Of course. Like it has to be Danny DeVito. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's not who you saw on screen. That's what I'm saying. That's what right. Amazing. And of course, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman. I actually decent. didn't like her as Catwoman as much. I thought it was very, I guess the whole movie, it kind of fell into the movie aspect, like the way the movie was set up, but it just felt too cliche. That's really funny because... Uh, Bad girl, Catwoman. There's a link between one of my picks and, and Catwoman, so... <laughs> All right. But then, like, it's it's really interesting. Like, Keaton goes from Batman Returns instantly lands a uh uh studio ghibli animation he is porco rosso which i i mean that's it blew me away i was like holy shit he is porco rosso isn't he but i mean he goes right back into being like his typecast right after batman it's it's hilarious well, yeah, and that's, and you will find that the people that break their type typecast eventually go back to 
what they're comfortable with. Right. Right. Because yeah. it's easier. They don't have to put nearly as much as themselves into the parts. I mean, there's a reason why the actor gets typecast is because it's right. easy for them to play those parts. So when they go outside of playing that part, right, then you're going against your natural, naturally who you are. So it takes a lot more energy and a lot more effort to play these other characters. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Porco Rosso, much ado about nothing. Um, the one that, so for, for me, for Keaton. Did a bunch of TV after that too. If you can find it, watch Pacific Heights. Pacific Heights, that was... That's the one that leads directly into him playing Vulture. Okay, so all these, like, right. really fucked up characters. The first time he really plays that plays that kind of a character is in Pacific Heights. And it's I think it's, like, Matthew Modine. And I can't remember who the female lead is. By this house in San Francisco. And I've talked about this before on other podcasts because it's such a creepy fucking movie. Yeah. Melanie Griffith, Matthew Modine. A couple work hard to renovate their dream house and become landlords to pay for it. Unfortunately, one of their tenants has plans of his own. Yep. This is the one where he's just like, where he terrorizing so them, and they have the upper level of this tri-level in San Francisco. Yeah, he has the lower apartment, and he becomes like the tenant slash neighbor from fucking hell. Right. There's one scene where he purposely releases cockroaches into the entire building just to com- to fuck with them. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, you find out like they like it it breaks up their marriage and like, you know, it, it's just a really fucked up movie. But and then you find out he basically really rich and he does this shit to amuse himself. Oh, Jesus. I, yeah. I saw a video of somebody who broke up with somebody else. And, uh, uh, the guy or baby was drunk. They got online and they found these little, uh, workout death timers like something you put at your desk or like you work at cubicle. Sure, and yeah. it goes off at random intervals with random sounds to like get you up and like walking around or like moving and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and this guy bought it in a tiny like little, like a little, like a big button. And so he, he hit them all over here. She hit them all over their ex's apartment. Mm-hmm. And before they moved out, and this is all because, like, they were cheating and they were planning on moving somebody else in, like, the whole time, right? So they get all their shit together, hide these things all over the apartment, move out. And over, I think it was, like, a six-month period, they had repeatedly, like, there was, like, posts on Facebook about it. There was, like, videos about them, like, hearing these sounds. And they didn't know where, like, they literally... What are you? Drove them, up, drove them fucking insane. Like they moved out of the apartment. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so yeah. Michael Geaton is Batman. Yeah. Your number three. It's a good one. June, what do you got? Uh, I got Matthew McConaughey for my number. Uh, is this the something in mud or whatever? Um, 
it's a series of movies that it is that were kind of like that, but he was really stuck in the wrong com podcast. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Time. So to see him do movies like that, I think that's what made him so good. But to see somebody who you literally had this persona built about, and then boom, he's fucking going off the wall with all this crazy shit, Adnan. What was, what was the name of that movie? Um, there was my there was uh, uh, Rain of Fire. Club. But there was a movie. There was a movie before that. Was Club where he lost a lot of weight. No, oh, no, yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, a phenomenal film. It's a uh, Rain of Fire, two thousand two. Yeah, Rain of Fire. I the Christian that, Bale where they dug too deep and found the dragon. Or um, a time to kill. No. Everything That's one of the first movies that that happens like right after. Um, a time to kill was his. This is why I told you to listen to that audio book, Chris. Or the time to kill was his. Uh, that was his output to break his typecast, but it wasn't intentional. He actually wasn't even cast for that role. He uh, he went in. Oh, that's in right. For another yeah. role, and then when he went back again. He went back to question, like, "Hey, you know, who's doing this one or this one or whatever?" And, and she's like, "Well, it, you know, it actually kind of felt good." She's like, "Well, you know, mind if I read for this bad. And uh, he goes, "Yeah, but we don't have like a female actress to uh, work again." And so he asked one of the receptionists, and she agreed. And he asked her, and he tells her, "He's like, all right, we're trying to get the shit out of you." And he fucking grabs like this metal spoon or something that was like uh, in the room. Or something like that, and he starts fucking going after this girl. Literally has her in tears. <laughs> hmm. Um. Great, great. So that so that was the first role with that. Uh, it it actually might have been uh, Killer Joe. Killer Joe, that's it. Killer Joe and Mud. 2011, because Mud yeah. comes out was- in uh, 2012. Yeah, but Killer Joe was the one that everybody. I mean, Mud was creepy as fuck. Um, I actually really, yeah. I actually really liked Mud. I didn't think it was. I, that no, I creepy. loved it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I loved the movie. I thought it was fantastic. But for like but, half the movie, you think he's a pedophile. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's fucking creepy as shit. But the one that um, in all the lists that I was reading up on this, all of them say Killer Joe. Like that's because, like you're right. Like he he does all these rom coms. Like he's that lovable, uh, you know, scamp of a guy that right. you want that all the women want to pick up. His fear. That was his like conscious fear was being typecast into that. Right. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, you want to talk? He so he technically he breaks his typecast twice because he goes from yeah. being the party guy in um, Days and Confused. Isn't confused. Yeah. Party guy slash pedophile. Which was 100% method acting, by the way. This is like supposed to be like an imitation of his brother or something like that. Or it was supposed to be a mix between the imitation of his brother and who he thought the character was. Yeah. Um, and he goes from that and then he, you know, he kind of breaks out and goes into these rom-coms where, you know, he's, you know, that lovable, like I can fix him. He's a fixer-upper type. You know, the wedding planner, the wedding planner, how to lose a guy in, in 10 days, how to lose a guy in 10 days, failure to launch, yeah. girlfriends of the past. What was that one? Ghosts of girlfriends past. Ghosts yeah. of girlfriends past. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he goes out and does killer Joe to break that typecast. 
And then follows up Killer Joe with mud, and then that leads into roles like The Lincoln Lawyer. Uh, I think The Lincoln Lawyer came out before mud. Did it? Yeah, he did The Lincoln Lawyer and Killer Joe in the same year. Okay. So, like, he, like he purposely starts taking these roles to get away from the rom-com type. Like, hey, I don't want. But he more. he has he has a. Who's that one he did with the the slave dude, or the dude who was like not a slave anymore? They were like neighbors or something. They fucking kid, and uh, he went with the black dude to go and help get a kid or something. Like super racist fucking Tennessee. Okay. Uh, wait, what? That's why I'm like, what the, what the fuck yeah, are you bitches babbling about? No, like I, I didn't hear what you said. Um, so he, this is like set in the deep racist like South, like in the time. And he has this neighbor who's also a farmer, like they're both farmers, but he's black. And they fucking, the, the town people take this dude's kid. Oh, the Free State of Jones. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, they they kidnap that that Free farmer's kid, and he right. fucking rallies the whole the whole town into becoming a militia to go save this kid. Yep. Yeah. Great, great fucking story. Great book. Great movie. Matthew McConaughey. <clears throat> um. I'm going to go with my number three, and it's a toss-up, uh, but I figure one of you two is probably going to pick the other one, so I'm going to go with um, Jennifer Aniston and Horrible Bosses. Mm. Ooh, there you go. Like, you, she plays her entire career basically as Rachel Green from Friends. Right. That's what she's typecast as. Like, that's the character she's always, like... And then she does horrible bosses, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, you just want to fucking kill her. Like, she's such a fucking cunt in that movie. She's great, though. She did, and she did fantastic at it. And it was just like, oh, my God. Like, she can... And it was still a comedy, yes, but... Right. Like, she plays that villainous part that, like super sexist she's like white women can be sexist too like it was awesome it was a great part and it was a it was great to see somebody like that like totally break out of that role yeah i mean she was super typecast for so long what was that chris she was typecast for forever forever she was always that like lovable little rich girl, you know. And then she did horrible bosses, and you're like, "Oh damn!" Such a great movie too, like, uh, hilarious. Anyway, oh, yeah, Chris, what do you got for your number two? Um, I've got. Sorry, hold on. I got these on separate pages here. God damn it. I've got Woody Harrelson. Natural Born Killers. Yep. Fuck yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. Such a great flick. Like, I think there's two years 
or maybe a year between uh, Cheers and Natural Born Killers. Right, yeah. Something like that. Hold on, let me look at that again. Great on Cheers, too, by the way. He wasn't even supposed to be on the fucking cast. Well, yeah, but he has the actor that played... Temporary character. Yeah, the actor that played Coach died. Uh, That's 94. So, actually, it might have been happening right as Cheers was wrapping up. Yeah, I mean, because... So, Cheers, Cheers runs from 85 to 93... Um, and it is, so he does, I'll do anything then the cowboy way. And then natural born killers both come out in 90, the, all three of those come out in 94. Yeah. And then he, uh, he reprises Woody Harrelson in the, in the Simpsons. That's funny. <laughs> but I guess he did a TV movie in 88 called killer instinct. And, um, What's his name? Um, Oliver Stone was saying that's when he saw Killer Instinct. He was like, "Oh, interesting! Like Woody right. Harrelson can can actually, yeah, can act. right?" And that's what inspired him to cast Woody Harrelson. Nice. That's a good movie. Like that's because even like in the cowboy way where. He's not the dumb little oaf from, you know, Woody from Cheers. Yeah. He's still kind of the goofy, you know, like selfish but lovable character in the cowboy way. That was, uh, he does natural born killers and you're like, oh shit. Like, that was Kiefer Sutherland too, wasn't it? Keeper and Woody. Both so really good Cowboy. films. Greg Champion, that's right. What else did he do? That was... Kingpin. <laughs> Love that movie. Yeah, man. Woody Harrelson. So uh, what do you got next, June? Junior. Hello. Did we lose him? No, I'm still on the call. Junior. All right, fuck. I don't know what the fuck just happened there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm all sitting there talking. I'm like, uh, hello. He's going to ignore me. So, uh, so my number two, I got uh, Adam Sandler from Cut Down. Which Sandler movie? Uncut Jim. That's for his, like, breaking his typecast? I think you need to go back a little bit further for Sandler. Um, well, that, that's the one that I like most. I mean, as far as a huge well, typecast change. But we're talking about the movie that they did to actually break their typecast. And for Sandler, it would be... Um, is that uh, Punch Drunk Love? Punch Drunk Love, yeah. Because, let's see. That was a pretty good movie, actually, if I remember right. 
Actually, you know, uh, no, Bulletproof was kind of a action Bull- comedy. Bulletproof was totally comedy. He still plays that goofball. Yeah. But I mean, what a great fucking uh, uh, double that we never got to see again. Oh, you mean? I don't think they did another movie. Oh, that. Oh, that's right. It was also a uh, rain over me. Rain over me was another one of his his uh, dramas that was really good. Right, but which one came out first? I thought it was Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. So punch for Sandler, like that breakout role would have been, you know, punch drug love. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also Paul Thomas Anderson. So, I mean, you know, that guy can direct his ass off. Right. But isn't that based on a movie or a, a book too? Um, I, I, I can't remember. That's a good question. It is. Let's see. Trivia, maybe it's in here. Let's see. The subplot of the film was inspired by an article in Time Magazine. Oh, that's what it was. Subplot of the film was inspired by an article in Time Magazine about Philip Davis, a University of California well, civil engineer. Stumbled upon a lucrative frequent flyer. I'll be hundred percent honest right now. I don't think I ever fucking seen this movie. I mean, it's not PTA's best movie, but it's up there for sure. Well, and it's so. When does this come out? So this comes out in... 02, I think. 02. And you got to remember, up until then, Adam Sandler's been... He's been fucking... Big Daddy was like the closest thing he got to (laughs) a serious role. Right. So he does... You know, he's on the Cosby show as his first acting credit. Going overboard, which is never watch that fucking film. It's terrible. Um, he's in Coneheads, Shakes the Clown, Airheads. Love him in Airheads. Uh, Mixed Nuts, Billy, and then he does Billy Madison. You know, all the while he's doing Saturday Night Live, uh, Bulletproof, The Wedding Singer, Dirty Work, The Water Boy, Big Daddy, The Pepper, and it's Deuce Bigelow, Little Nicky. The animal, and then does punch drunk love. So like this is this even like this predates anything with any sort of like actual substance to it. Because <clears throat> right. he's really let's see if we're talking about like different roles. He's only got what like one. Let's see, two. Why do I feel like Conehead is like the most underrated, hilarious fucking movie that's that, ever been made? That movie was like Four. that. That should be our next podcast. Was like, uh, like SNL, like something to do with SNL, like for movie ones. Because Coneheads is great. Freaking Wayne's World, phenomenal. Like he's only got 
uh, was it six or seven? Yeah, he's only got like seven serious roles in his entire career. Yeah, but when he does them, they're fucking phenomenal. I mean, like, Junior's right, though. Uncut Gems is a different fucking movie. I did. I saw Cut Gems like that. Uncut Gems. That fucking it is thing a was different amazing. movie, dude. Because that's from the oh, guy that made a... Uh, you want to talk about a movie that took a hard right turn. Oh, dude. Because the Safdie brothers, they're... Uh, I think those are the guys that did... Um, what was it? Um, what's that movie with... Um, where he, he takes the pill that opens up like the other 60% oh, of his brain. Um, oh, fuck, what is it? And then they turned it into a shitty TV series. Yeah, the TV show fucking Uber? blows. Uh, uh, Limitless. Limitless, yeah. Limitless. I think the director of photography is the same guy that shot Limitless, that shot Uncut Gems, if I'm not mistaken. Damn. And so, like, they both, like, both the movies have that same sort of look. I mean, yeah. I love the way Uncut Gems is shot. It is such a, it is such a, like, visually beautiful movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, a, that's, the, that's one of the main things that kept me entertained the entire time. It's like, these shots that they were getting that just kept you right fucking there. Well, not just that, but it's like right. the movie is so fucking uncomfortable because he's such right. a shit. Right. And, Bro, you and you're you like, how is this like guy still happening? How is this guy still alive? Like, yeah. how is somebody not? F and yeah. then when they, oh my God. And then at the end of the movie, you're like, you oh like shit. Times when you think you're good. Oh my God. Yeah. So good. Such a great movie. <clears throat> oh yeah. My number two will be Mr. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes, huh? Yep. In Tu Wong Fu, thanks for the memories, Julie Newmar. <laughs> Julie Newmar, by the way, played Catwoman in the original Batman TV series. Is that what you were referring to? Yeah, that's a, that was the Batman link. <laughs> oh, okay. But, I mean, and you, one could argue, you know, the same thing for Patrick Swayze, um, not so much John Leguizamo's because you kind of think like John Leguizamo was kind of crazy to begin with. So of course he would be, you know, gravitate towards something like this, but both Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes wanted these roles because it was so against everything that it, that they had ever done before. Right. And they both thought like, wouldn't this be amazing and just shock everybody that we play these roles. John Leguizamo's just a great actor like that. He is. He's always managed to take roles that just fucking reach so fucking hard, and he does it. He makes the fucking shot. And he's still doing stand-up to this day. Like His, his, yeah. his history stand-up is fucking amazing. Like, the one that's on Netflix where he talks about the history. Yeah, yeah, yeah the history of the Spanish people and how they yeah. like, nobody ever talks about the massive genocide that was, that is larger than any other fucking genocide that has ever happened in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fucking amazing. But we're not talking about John Lee almost. We're talking about <laughs> Wesley Snipes. Yeah. I mean, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> right. Like when you, when you go back and Let's think see. about it, like Wesley Snipes was one of these guys, you know, um, this is Blade, man. That's Blade for me, 110%. Like, 
like grew up with a man like following him for. <laughs> Dude, even the KKK likes watching Blade. Right. Like Blade 100%. is such a badass fucking movie, man. I think the uh the whole trilogy is on uh I think it's on HBO right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah HBO. But like, I mean, you go back and, and you look at his history, Let's like see. Tu Wong Fu. Yeah, he, he starts out well, he was on All My Children, but then he's in Wildcats, uh, Miami Vice. He was in the Michael Jackson Bad video as one of the gang members. I remember that, you know, be it. Oh, you know, that's not, fucking right. Major League. I remember. Uh, he's doing some TV stuff. King of New York, Mo Better Blues, New Jack City, Jungle Fever, The Water Dance, White Man Can't Jump, Passenger 57, Boiling Point, Rising Sun, Demolition Man. Love that fucking movie. White Man Can't Jump. That was a VHS that I myself owned. Right. It was made before I was owning VHS. But Demolition Man. King of New York, man. That's a good movie. So you have Sugar Hill, Drop Zone, and then in 95... So all these movies have the same thing. Like he's the masculine man's man type character and every single thing that he's done up until this point. And then he does Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for the memories. Julie Newmar. Or he plays Noxima. So he plays this drag queen and you know, they get pulled into this podunk town because the car breaks down on their trip from Florida to I think Vegas for, you know, like the drag queen nationals or whatever they called it. Who's that fucking cop? Wasn't that a pen brother or a Baldwin or something like that? Uh, oh, the one. No, it was uh, Deloise. I think it's Peter Deloise. The cop? Yeah. Oh. Uh, That's the husband. Oh, Chris Penn. Mm, yeah. Yeah. John Penn's. Uh, I was like, he was like brother. a pen or a Baldwin or something. I remember that. Yeah. Penn, Baldwin, Deloise. All the ones that are not the main guy all look the fucking same. Yeah. Yeah. They're all fat and pudgy and vaguely re- remind you of their older siblings. Didn't he do Rush Hour also? Chris Penn? Knipes? No, fucking uh, Penn. Dude. Oh, Chris Penn? No, that was... Um... Wow. Fucking what's his name? Um, he was the one who uh, Chris Rock was trying to bust in the beginning he's in Starsky and Hutch Corky Romano Uh, love that movie hold on a second you're right he is is in Rush Hour yeah yeah Clive I can remember a fucking face I'll tell you that I don't remember your name (laughs) I remember your fucking name but I remember, I remember, your, remember face. your face to the day I die. And if I, I remember your face, you motherfucker. <laughs> but Tu Wong Fu, like that's like that and Birdcage are like you know you get into these characters that you know totally. It's another one of those movies for Robin Williams where you're like, okay, Robin Williams is a gay man. Okay, I, I can buy it. <laughs> You know, because he just does such a phenomenal job in that movie. But it's the same thing when you go and watch these, and not that they're gay because they're they're transvestites, not you know, doesn't mean that they're gay. 
And they like bring. I don't think trans sex to that term anymore. Cross dressers, whatever you, you know. Yeah, drag queens, I think. Drag that's, queens. That was what they were, right? They yeah, were they were queens, always, right? yeah, they were always drag queens. But they, like, they go in, in that movie, they, they go through. They were going and, to a competition, right? Yeah, they were going that to, like, like, the bullshit. Nationals. Yeah. Man, that was a great movie. That was a great movie. I know it might make some people feel uncomfortable to watch it, but I'm telling you, if you want to fucking watch an amazing movie. Well, like I said, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes. Patrick Swayze, yeah. And John Link was almost, and you go, God when damn. When you beat the shit out of that dude, right. I was like, oh, <laughs> <you are." laughs> oh, you're about to get roundhouse. <laughs> but what I really like is like Wesley Snipes was always changing his look in the movie. Like there's, you know, one reason. Yeah, the bright green eyes and the bright blue. And then, yeah. and then you got the pigtails and then you're like, God damn. Yep. Yeah, and he's all buff as fuck. Right, like he's just, long he's just fucking him. yoked out, and you're like... <laughs> yeah. Yoked with some straight coffin nails, like fucking six-inch coffin nails. Like, right. Jesus. Like, goddamn. But, yeah, too long. And, and I thought about it, and I was like, Patrick Soizy was still, like, a super serious actor. John Lewis almost was... You know, like that's just guy. And he that, didn't even do as much makeup. He did like eyeliner and like blush and lipstick. When you want to talk about like a full get up in that whole movie, it was Wesley Snipes. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I mean, glitter. Oh yeah, he's doing the, the whole glam thing. Like that he, makes their cheeks shine. Like yeah, a whole eye makeup, fucking lipstick, nails, fucking hair, all of it. All of it was fucking to the seat. I was like, Jesus Christ. And then we, we were wearing, like you said, yoked out, wearing that super, it was like a super tight one-piece dress. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to flex with myself. <laughs> Them backstraps are hanging on for dear life. And then I'm like, I'm watching the preview right now. Fucking Pat, it's to the scene where Patrick Swayze is getting felt up by Chris Penn. One of my favorite. Uh, knocks his ass out. That's funny. Anyway, so yeah. And so of, of the three, it was more surprising to see Wesley Snipes in that role than it was to see the other two. Like, Yeah, oh, for sure. Why, of the three, that's why I picked Wesley Snipes. Anyways, now we're down to the Great numero pick. unos. Um, I've got Charlize Theron, monster. That was my other female, and that's why I didn't pick because I knew she's so like, so fucking good in that role. Talk about a role that carries. Well, the the reason I picked her is because one of my favorite movies by far is um the new mad max oh yeah fury road yeah fury road like she would have never been in fury road if she hadn't gotten monster you know like that that role changed her career completely changed her career because she was just she was the bombshell you know oh yeah for sure she was the hot pusher and you know the hot woman you wanted in everything yeah And her, her going from that to, I mean, just the way she looks, just the, just the makeup in monster alone 
And right. if you compare her to the uh, woman that she's playing, uh, Aline um, Warnos, yeah, because it's based on a, a a real life person, like the this uh, prostitute in uh, Florida that just fucking goes crazy and starts killing dudes. Um, like they actually look really similar. Like the, the makeup that they did in this movie is really great. Well, yeah. And and just to take somebody who, it, so it was like, um, it, it's like in steel Magnolias where they take, um, Daryl Hannah, who was, you know, supermodel drop dead fucking gorgeous and turn her into this like homely little Southern waif. It's the same kind of thing. You know, you look at Charlie Theron, she's that like super hot mom. Um, you know, like just every role that she does, she's sometimes she plays a damsel in distress, you know, mighty Joe young, uh, the cider house right. role, reindeer games, um, men of honor, you know, or she plays, Sweet November. All these fucking roles that are like that. And then she does Monster in 2003. The Italian job. The Italian job right before that too. I mean, yeah. But even in the Italian job, like she's, you know, more stand up, but she still needs that man. And like, but then you go and she does Monster, which is just, she's a woman. And there's a lot of people that say that they can't look at her without seeing that girl. And that's, I mean, that becomes one of her most iconic roles for sure because of like how, what the fuck junior just dropped off. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> What's he doing later? Phone? Later, bitch. We don't want your fucking opinion anyways. <laughs> um, going back. Hold on. Oh. There he is. What up kid? I don't know what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I mean, it's just one of those things where she will always be associated with that. So, I mean, yeah. And it, didn't she win an Oscar for that role? Uh, I think so. Yeah, no, she should have. For fuck's sake. I think she I did. Thought she did. Uh, awards. Um, yeah, best actress. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, she won best actress for that. So. Great role. That's a great pick. June, what do you got for your number one? My number one is going to be the great and amazing Jim Carrey for the Truman Show. So you pick the Truman Show, and I have Jim Carrey on As far on as my... I know, that's the one that broke the podcast. But he's still basically the same character. He has moments where the one that I really like... The whole, the whole break of the movie is him realizing how it's fucked up. He's living in a fucked up world where they true I would argue and and so I have Jim Carrey on my list but he's an honorable mention I would have the role for me for him was the majestic the majestic yeah and the eternal sunshine yeah 21 was amazing a lot of people a lot of people do the the you know the spotless mind um and and I like that movie, but I, I just think, or like 23, 23, like where he oh, goes. 23, like, the I, number 23, fuck, man. That's like him, like literally losing his mind. Right. Um, 
But every list that I found said that, you know, Truman Show was the one that technically broke us that death. I mean, I, I would have picked 23, the one that really just, like, complete swap of. Well, I mean, the, so, and the Truman Show does come out before all these other movies. It does. But here's the thing. In the Truman Show, he's still kind of that goofball versus the Majestic, bark. right? In the Majestic, he doesn't play the goofball. You don't see him. There's like one scene where like, he's kind of being a tiny bit goofy, but that's a more serious role. And the Majestic was like that first real serious role for him. Mm, I don't know. The Truman Show was that's so pretty serious role. Like think about the first half of the Truman Show. It's just him being, you know, goofy, right? Like he is still well, that it's not him being ball. goofy. It's him being Truman. It's him being what he's been formatted to be. Yeah, I mean, just super. It's not like mundane. Not like the himself is goofy. It's that it's they literally essentially program this human being to give them a TV show. Well, I know. I, I, and what I'm saying is there are aspects of that movie. There's a good portion of that movie where he's still playing that lovable goofball, right? Versus the majestic where he doesn't play that at all. It is a more serious, like this is a man that is being drummed out of Hollywood. Okay. Here, here's the question. Does he get the majestic without first being in the Truman show? No. And that was the argument in all the list I was looking at. Was that the Truman Show is what opened him up to be able to do all of it. Okay. That I okay, I'll concede on that one. Yeah. I mean, maybe from being um in um like there's flashes of serious acting in Liar Liar. Right. But other than that, man, I don't see anything. I want to say almost every movie he's done has those little flashes of serious acting. Except for Ace Ventura. In one scene or another. Except for Ace Ventura. But that's because Ace Ventura was like or the mask. his brainchild for a really long time. It was meant to be something serious. Or The Mask or Dumb and Dumber. Like... I mean, oh, even there was parts of seriousness in the mask. There was parts of intended seriousness in Dumb and Dumber that just kind of got laughed over because they were so ridiculous the entire time. Yeah. Um, but even like Man on the Moon, he has fucking great, great move. Apparently, uh, I did just a crash. Well, but he was also in like Pace who got oh. married and Once Bitten. Once Bitten was like, you guys probably don't remember this movie, but that was like, he got, he has a few funny parts in it really. You know, he's the main character, but the whole time it's him struggling with becoming a vampire. Right. So, I mean, but then, you know, he hits Ace Ventura, he, you know, in 90, he, goes and, and joins in living color. Yeah. And so from 90 to 94, he, you know, Jim Carrey's allowed to be himself. 
um, which is more like oh, all the stand-up he did back in the early 80s. Well, I think he was on out after he was on the Well, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, right. Once Bitten was out before that, but all oh, okay. all of these yeah, parts that he's sure. playing, like they basically allow Jim Carrey to be himself, but then they strip away everything until he hits Living Color. And then Living Color, they allow him to just be Jim Carrey. And then that opens up, you know, the mask, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, where he plays the Riddler, which is actually why Michael Keaton didn't do Batman Forever. He refused to play opposite Jim Carrey. Um, Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a big thing all over Hollywood. Like Jim, you know, Jim, Michael Keaton was signed on to do the third Batman movie which was Batman forever. And then he found out that Jim Carrey, that they had cast Jim Carrey to be the Riddler and Michael Keaton was like, no, I didn't want to be upstaged. I'm not going to be upstaged by Jim Carrey. Like that's not going to happen. That's, I mean, not a bad call. And let's be honest, Batman forever is arguably one of the worst fucking Batman films ever. I know poor fucking Val Kilmer. Yeah. I mean, he definitely didn't need nipples on his suit. That wasn't that one. That was um, the George Clooney one. Yeah, bat nipples. Oh, was... Is that the one with uh, that's the one with you know, that's Batman that and Robin? You're Robin thinking you're thinking Batman movie. and Robin. And that was so Batman Forever was the last. I, I think that's the last of um, Schumacher. Those are the two Schumacher Batmans. Uh, yeah, Schumacher. Because he does Batman and Robin in 97. Who is Batman? Who played that Batman? That was George Clooney. The one you're thinking about Batman and Robin is George Clooney, and that's one where they talk about the bat nipples. Yeah. And then they're, like, on the island and fucking... Who plays Batman and Batman forever? Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. See, the fact that you don't even know that Val Kilmer was Batman is like all that we need to know about Batman forever. Right. <laughs> like that's how terrible it is. It's a fucking bad movie, man. And that's the one that has the stupid, ridiculous Batwing. Yeah, the, the really tall Batwing on the back. Yeah. Real dumb. I, I watched those when I was so young. I think obviously all male movies. But uh, Batman and Robin is the one where it, they, they do the bat nipples. Yeah. And then it, it has the direct line right back to the 60s TV show where, um, what's his name? They're on the island and he goes, holy rusted metal. And he, and Clooney turns around and goes, what'd you say? And he goes, this island, it's all made out of, you know, rusted metal. It's got holes it's in not, it. It's got holes in it. Like, holy rusted metal. Anyways. All right. So that was your number one. Yeah, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Jason. The Truman Show. And I love that fucking movie. It's one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies. For sure. Which is really funny because of his movies, my two favorites are uh, The Majestic and The Truman Show. Because I, I just think they are so much better acting in those two movies than there are in anything else he's ever done. I'll have to watch The Majestic. It's really um, good. I really like I really like 23 and the so the the majestic deals with the red scare 
and the <laughs> the blacklisting of people in Hollywood back in the uh, back in the, the late forties and early fifties. Yeah, the McCarthy hearings, where basically they were blackballing everybody in Hollywood for being potentially communists. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. um, what was that uh, George Clooney movie about? Uh, the blacklists that was um good night and good luck that's another Mm -hmm. really good movie that like goes into the details about like the hearings and the mccarthy hearings like yeah 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 but uh the majestic's kind of like what are the repercussions for somebody that finds themselves blacklisted Right, it's a really good movie and the whole thing was yeah i mean i thought i was gonna watch it but i mean i guess there's no point now (laughs) so. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, my number one is going to be no surprise. It's going to be Robin Williams in One Hour Photo. Mm. Like, and yeah, I left the Robin Williams open because I knew one of you were definitely going to yeah right on it, but I I wasn't And it's just like, and I've said this on so many podcasts. Whenever movie, whenever like this kind of stuff gets brought up is like he, when you go and look at Robin Williams and everything he did before that, nothing was like super duper. Like he'd done serious roles before, right? Yeah. But he had, he hadn't done like he hadn't done where that he was kind of serious villain. role. Yeah. He hadn't done anything where he was the villain. Where he was, he was, clearly he, he was like, it. he was like very distinctly, um, like melodrama and comedy, right? Like those were his two things and he Adam, never, he never really broke away from either one of those. Hamlet, um, Jack. uh, what dreams may come. I mean, that movie is a fucking heartbreak, right? Um, but even even said, like uh, Good Morning Vietnam, like the end right. of that movie is is relatively dramatic. The Fisher King, where he the plays Fisher the, King. Oh my God! I mean, I'll say Awakening, that Cadillac. The Man. only person that I've never met in my entire life, never even been close to, and I cried to that. Oh yeah, yeah. Him and John Ritter were the two that just. Mm. Yeah, John Ritter. Yeah. And I don't mean like drop a couple kids. I cried like a fucking baby. Right. Like my brother did that. Oh, Patch Adams. Patch Adams. So you have to remember up until then, like he was, he did Popeye. He did, you know, he was on the Richard Pryor show. That's funny. Back in 77. Um, Two to three generations. They can't deny that they, Grew up watching a Robin Williams, right? Yeah, Happy Days, Mork and Mindy, SCTV, Laverne and Shirley. Like, I mean, he, he did so lot. much TV in his early career, right? And I mean, that just three generations that 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 definitively can't say that they didn't grow up with a Robin Williams. Well, right. Even like you know Moscow on the Hudson, Moscow on the Hudson, great fucking, movie. and that's wow. where he, that Moscow on the Hudson. Breaks little out slivers it. of you know, brilliance. Yeah. Good well, hunting. He's gonna skim over that one. Well, and that's so. And I can't remember what I was watching, but like somebody was talking about 
how it doesn't matter what you watch, even his small characters in like nine months where he plays that fucking Russian doctor. Yeah. You know, even when he does these little bit, these bit parts and other fucking movies, they're amazing. They're just amazing. Um, um, here's shakes the clown again, uh, dead again, hook great in hook. I mean, he had a small part in, um, what was that? Dead again. Dead again. Yeah. What a um, great play on Peter Pan. Oh. Right. Fern Gully, the last rainforest, Batty Coda. What's a human? Delicious. Nutritious taste, just like chicken. And he played the bat in Fern Gully, right? Yep. Batty Coda. Yeah. And I quote that, like I, I had that one quote, like what's a chicken? What's a human? Delicious. Nutritious taste, just like chicken. And it's basically, yeah, I had that, McDonald's toy when it came out. Right. Then he does toys with, you know, God, that one movie is so great where you kind of see the little twisted side of, you know, being that super, that so, so intellectual with uh, LL Cool J. Yeah. Talk about a movie that you read the title and then you put it in and it's not the movie you thought. Right. You're like, that is nothing. Oh, that's right. Jamie Foxx was in this too. In Toys? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot all about him. Um, And then he's actually in Tu Wong Fu as well. He's uncredited. Hmm. Right. He's the guy who's in the dressing room, right? Yeah. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Then he does Jumanji, The Birdcage Jack. Uh, He does Hamlet, Father's Day. Deconstruction. Flubber. Fuck yeah. Flubber. I thought I heard something about him going on that Tu Wong Fu thing. Like he wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. Like he was just on the set and he was walking around and doing that and they fucking put him in the movie. Probably. But like you're looking at all these things, you know, Bicentennial and like Chris is right, like he's either doing Death to Smoochie. Fucking love that movie. <laughs> um, but Jacob, look Jacob the, the Liar was actually really good, too. Jacob the Liar was great. Yeah. Final Cut, House of I, House of e, Boys World. Robots. Yeah. Robots. Tons know about robots. of animation. Boom, we both just read it at the same time. Robot, man. It's my Aunt Fanny. <laughs> I know the city like the back of my hands. Hey, that's new. Hey, that's new. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's one hour photo. Right. So he has all these credits up before one hour photo. And when you see one hour photo, you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. Oh my God. And you know, newer generations aren't going to know one hour photo because nobody does almost nobody does actual film photography anymore. But you know, in back in the day, you used to take your rolls of film in and have them and and have them developed by these little pop-up stands. So in one hour photo, that's what he's playing is this guy that works for basically Walmart in their photo studio developing. And he gets addicted to this one family. And this was, uh, this was, this is because like back then this was, uh, something that one guy did. It's like one, like they hired for this thing. Like he either trained for it or he already knew how to do it. And they hired this one guy to do it. Right. Like, so, when you go in and put your film in back in the day, it would, if he wasn't there, it would just get, get it put would in just the box. There. So he 
Like there was nobody else that did this shit. So this, these kinds of people would have, like he's about to say, hours and hours of just viewing people's photos and developing them yeah. on, uh, by themselves. Because nobody had a dark room, like, you know, people weren't doing this, so, but everybody was taking pictures. And then he fucking does one hour photo and you just see this like change in everything he does. And you're like, holy shit. And yeah. it's so creepy. It's, yeah. and like, you want to talk about like being, having your privacy in, invaded and without your knowledge. And then you're like, Oh my God, like I can't believe something like this happened. And that came out in 2002. I mean, it, this is like one of those movies where like it creates uh, like a cultural phenomena that like nobody like, um, am I thinking of, um, what was that? What was that movie with the um, the 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 lady that becomes obsessed with the guy and like stalks him and like tries to kill him? Oh yeah, uh, you're uh, talking about um, in line between love and eight. No, no, no. Where she boils the bunny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but like everybody freaked out about that movie too. Yes. <clears throat> if you've never seen Thin Line Between Love and Eight, Chris, that's a movie you like. That's a uh, that's a good one too. Um, yeah. But, but Chris is talking about like this, but like there, there are certain movies where like the movie scares the shit out of people from doing certain things within society. And like, nobody gets their photos developed like this anymore. And I think one hour photo is the reason why it it like put everyone's fear into reality. Like, yeah. You're like, holy fuck. You're like, Oh wait, somebody could be creeping on me right without my knowledge <laughs> and so it, it's like how it's like how tropic thunder ruined hollywood you know one hour photo right. ruined the film industry the, the photo picture taking industry and yeah. pushed everything to digital i want to talk about something that ruined something else a single white female yeah that's my dad right right or uh and like Chris said, like Fatal Attraction, like nobody wants to go with fucking nannies anymore. Yeah. But, so that was my number one, Robin Williams. Like, I still think Good we bit. should do a podcast just on the top 10 Robin Williams movies. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, holy fuck. For sure. What do you guys got about for? that before? We have, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, I've got so many honorable mentions. Right. But I think. So the one that didn't make it, and I'm going to have to make it my honorable mention, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. You guys are going to, you guys are going to think this is hilarious. Um, Tom Cruise, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that on a couple different lists. Like, yeah. <laughs> Tropic, like, like I did. Watched that movie and didn't realize that that was Tom Cruise. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. And that's how he wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's not even like he broke the typecast. It's just like one of those movies where 
you just don't expect him to be in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really think it's, it's him breaking a typecast because I don't think, I don't think Tom Cruise is really interested in breaking his typecast. No. So the one that everybody says for Tom Cruise breaking the typecast is collateral. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the one where he's like, you know, he's the hit man. He's a hit man and doesn't give a shit. And you know, so yeah. 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 I, off, eh? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think right after collateral was collateral right after Ray for Jamie Foxx. Uh, that's a good question. It happened right around the same time. Let's see. Cause collateral was Oh four. Uh, uh, that they both came out like right around the same time. Yeah. I was saying like they both, like they come out. I think Ray, I think Ray releases after collateral. Yeah. I, I seem to remember Ray coming out right after collateral. But he was he was in he was in Ali too. Yeah, he, so he was uh, the he was Bundini. Yep. But that was in two thousand one. Right, but I'm just saying if we're talking about like when Jamie Fox. Oh, we're not. Typecast. I was just saying like in Collateral, Jamie Foxx was in there, but I remember Ray and Collateral coming out at the same time because I remember seeing both yeah. of them in the theater. Yeah. And he also uh, landed Miami Vice a couple of years later, which I'm pretty sure is a Michael Mann film oh, yeah. as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Michael Mann still thought they should do that should have been a trilogy what Miami Vice yeah um I mean I I don't really remember Miami Vice all that much like as as a movie I love the TV show so like when Miami Vice the movie came out I went I was like, fuck yeah, we're seeing that. I saw that opening day. Yeah, because that was, um, didn't, didn't Michael Mann shoot the, the series as well? I think he did, yeah. Like, thinking back on it, like, I, I'm almost positive he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. That was... That was his baby. Because he did Crime Story before that. Right. He did um, 43 episodes of Crime Story from 86 to 88. And he was also the uh, executive producer on Thief in 81. So, I mean, yeah. he's kind of... And Heat. Right. Oh, he produced Ali. Of course he did. So that's that's where he sort of met Jamie Foxx. Right. It's on the set of Ali, probably. 
Uh, yeah. And he produced the last of the Mohicans. Yeah. I was say, Shit. Like, man had his sticky little fingers in a lot of stuff. Yeah. A movie that claimed for one of the worst hunting scenes ever shot. I, oh, it, sure. it's really bad they just like fucking run through and like pick up the tracks in like yeah, five seconds and then just to shoot a running deer through the tree with with a, a 1875 fucking musket what is it like 1775 musket or some shit like it's fucking yeah, holy I mean, it's shit completely unrealistic well it's that and um those things were extremely inaccurate. They had no rifling in them. So like those things. And I mean, you're firing, you know, a, essentially a BB. Right. So, I mean, well, I mean, they were big, they were like one inch ball. Yeah. Musket balls are, I mean, they're a little bit bigger than that. They're more like a ball bearing, but they weren't like you were hand making them. Right. Yeah, so they're completely inconsistent. Yep. So that's why I like, and there was no rifle yeah, in the barrel. Like right. So um, they're not actually spinning the round to get it to, to fly better through the, the air. Yeah. That was, uh, Daniel day Lewis in that, that was one of his first Oscars. Last of the weekends. Yeah. Yep. Anyways. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise collateral. I was like, how the fuck did we get on the last of the Mohicans? Oh, yeah, Tom Cruise. Uh, June, what do you got for your honorable mention? I had, and the only reason why he was an honorable mention is I couldn't quite put my finger on what was the book that I had. There was uh, a couple different, um, but Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger for uh, The Joker? Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain, you think? Pretty sure it was. So all the ones I saw were calling for um, him playing the Joker. Yeah, but the Joker came way after Brokeback. Yeah, and that was another movie where like the director gets panned for making a bad cast, and then everybody's like, "Oh shit, that was actually an amazing cast." For yeah. Brokeback Mountain. No, for um, the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. The dark night, yeah. like everybody panned that they were like dude this guy you're gonna you're gonna hire right, fucking everybody fucking hated it 10 so, things i hate about you is gonna be the fucking joker right well that was like the whole well, i mean we're we did it with battinson right right like oh which i no mean way. to be fair he was kind of an emo batman which i guess makes a little bit of sense right but i mean not a bad batman it was, I actually no, really liked that I movie. I was surprised by it. I was like, oh, damn. I actually thought that like he was the least interesting character in that whole movie. Like, well, all the thing the... with Batman is like every, every comic series has a different writer and, yeah. and most of the time a different uh, animator as well that are working on a new series together. Right, like the one person will finish the series and then somebody else will pick it up, and that varies the Batman for a whole side that all of them like that varies them dramatically. So that's how you get like these crazy stories that most fans love and shit. But that's why there's like a lot of different kinds of Batman. But it's really only like maybe one or two Jokers. 
Well, and that's like, the thing about the, the same guy essentially in all of the fucking. He has to be. Like, I mean, that's like right. he has to be that psychotic person. That, that's what I mean. Like they didn't really change him much. Like I think the newest lines that they started doing, the one that uh, Jared Leto modeled after, mm. that's the, the biggest change in like the character. Bill. True, but at the heart of at the heart of the Joker, he's still a self-serving psychopath that like is yeah. completely fucked up. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like they really only changed like the physical, the physical, but they didn't change like his character much. Like he was still a psychotic motherfucker. I but. What I really liked in the new Batman was that they stayed true to the comic in that he has that, that, um, that, um, that inner monologue that like journaling, Right. Journaling the days, journaling the nights. Like that was something that was really only in the comic and that like, especially in the early Batman movies, they like did not touch on that at all. all. Where like in the animated series, you do get that from time to time. Him like talking to himself and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I thought I thought that was cool. That was a good one. I like it. Yeah. Uh, mine is going to be, and I'm surprised he didn't make my list, but um, he got bumped for Wesley Snipes, and that is Tom Hanks in The Road to Perdition. Mm. Yeah. Like, think about that movie. Like, Tom Hanks plays you know, a mob assassin. Yeah. You know, he's arguably a very fucked up person, but he's trying to do the right thing by this one little town, like, and not even so much really the right thing, but good movie. Great flick. You know, it's hilarious. I can't think of Tom Pink stuff in Green Mile. Green Mile, man. What a movie. Love that movie. Love the books, too. And I actually... This is one thing I'll give to your guys' uncle is that he wouldn't let me read all the books. Like he wouldn't let me borrow all the books and just read them all the way through. He would only give me one book at a time. And he's like, this is how it's supposed to be read. Like you're supposed to read book one. And when you're finished with book one, go on to book two. So it was like every, and it, like it only took me like oh, probably four or five days to read the entire series. I was like, leaving you on hangers the whole time though. But it was, I wanted to like get forward and be like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just made me want to read the, like, if he wouldn't be home or he wouldn't, you know, he'd be at work, whatever. So I'd have to wait till he was home and then I'd go and, you know, give him the book I just finished reading and then he'd give me the next one. And, but of course I couldn't just like start reading it right then. So I had to like go home and, so, like the most accurate library clerk in the county. <laughs> He's like, hey, hold on there. You can't come in without turning in that book that you brought this right. book last time. <laughs> like, what? There's 1,200 people in here a day. How's you? <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> you didn't turn in that library book from, you know, 40 years ago, so I'm now charging you $7 million. For a $7 book? Fuck you. Anyways. But yeah, Road to Perdition, like great flick, totally goes against um, anything that Tom Hanks had ever done because all of the characters 
that Tom had done up until that point were lovable. They weren't the bad guy. Right. And then he does road to perdition and you're like, Oh shit. Tom Hanks is actually picking up a weapon. You know, he's actually the, in a lot of people's views, the villain or a villain. Right. And it's just where you're like, Oh, like, you know, Woody is picking up a real weapon. Woody's fucking slaughtering people like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, really far cry from what you expect from, especially Tom Hanks, man. Right. I mean, you know, he's, he's not stranded on an island. He's not being shot into space. Well, he's not bouncing on a trampoline in a New York studio apartment. Bro, yeah. when he jumped off of that fucking rack, you're like, you fucking idiot. I panicked. I panicked. You're going to fucking drown. Yeah. But, Fuck. so the road to perdition was just this, like, oh my God, like you can't believe Tom Hanks played this character. But he got bumped for Wesley's Snipes. And then didn't he come back and his wife had fucking already like remarried? In um in uh Castaway. Castaway, yeah. Castaway, yeah. As Helen Hunt. Now, ah. mind you, he was gone for like ten years. Right, what do you fucking expect? No, dude? Helen Hunt was the girl who was the welding girl that he picked up the package from. Remember? No. No. Helen Hunt was his oh. wife. Well, was it? Yeah. I thought that was a package ship for the, the girl who was welding shit. In the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Helen God. Hunt was his wife. She's the one that, like, tells him all about that everything. Works, huh? <laughs> yeah, fucking remarry. Jerk. There you you're supposed to fucking suffer alone like I was. Pretending. You think I remarried on that island? Me and Wilson were just a fling. He knew what I knew. <laughs> Never mind the hole in Wilson's mouth. You know what it's like to fuck a soccer ball for 10 years? Right. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to kick Wilson out. Stop asking me about it. First off, he was on a soccer ball. He was a volleyball. Whatever. You know what I meant. And it wasn't that they were never married. It was, they were like long time, um, romantic interests. It was Laurie White. Who was the welder? Yeah. Buzz, 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 light beer. Talk about fucking saving yourself from grief, huh? Glad you found somebody else fuck more. <laughs> you're really uh you're really pissed off about this, aren't you? Right? Like damn. Yeah, it's rude. All right. Um let's get to ordering these. So we've got um Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, and Charlize Theron. 
Who are we putting in number one? Ooh. It's tough. That's a tough one. <clears throat> Sorry, I was feeding the homeless. Uh, what were you saying in the beginning? Is that what? Uh, Robin, so for number one, we've got Charlize Theron, Jim Carrey, or Robin Williams. Who's making the top of the list? That's Robin Williams. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. Robin Williams, Charlie Theron, and Jim Carrey. I mean, even if we're just going parts alone, like the amount of times they've done that, it's definitely Robin Williams. Yeah. And even if we're just going like by the most dramatic, Robin Williams. Yeah. But like, I see, I mean, we all agree on Robin Williams, but I see... Um, Charlie Theron as number two because it was you know up until I mean it's just like she was so unrecognizable. Yeah, I feel like Jim Carrey just because she he got a couple different ones that he did it in and they were dramatic like that as well. Um, Charlie Theron has the one role and it's great but she didn't i mean he only did it one time he did it multiple times mm, no charlie's theron has been in plenty of roles that broke away from her typecast since she's been in monster yeah monster is what changed her acting career to allow her to do and and be the main character for these super serious roles. Um, I mean, the old guard. She's in. Or no, that's um. Yeah, the old guard. Um, uh, Fury Road. She was in that. Um, that Megan Kelly biopic, Bombshell. Um, let's see, Atomic Blonde, obviously, Atomic Blonde. Mad Max. Um, Prometheus, The Road. She was in The Road. I mean, that's a fucked up movie. Uh, the Battle in Seattle, which I mean pretty shitty movie but Eon Flux that comes out right after that yeah and even you know the Italian job was kind of I mean that came out right around the same right, time right. but again that's a departure from being in you know a bunch of um, a bunch of uh, you know what do you call them? Rom-coms and, you know, just being the hot chick. Right. Basically. Being the damsel in distress. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that Jim Carrey isn't a good pick because it is. Um, but. There you are. There you are. But it's okay. 
No, go ahead. Um, I loved her in Hancock. I'm just saying, like, in terms of really dramatic departures from what they do, I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised that comedic actors can do dramatic roles. Like, that doesn't surprise me most of the time. Because I think it's actually really difficult to do comedy well. Well, and when you do comedy well, you know, and that's the thing about stand-up comedians in general, that they have to look at the darker side of life right. and make it funny. Right. Which, I mean, so for, like you're saying, like for a comedic actor to transition into a more dramatic role is a little bit easier because all they have to do is drop the joke off at the end. I mean, they've, you know, they're already invested in emotionally in whatever it is, but for a dramatic actress or, you know, for an actress that doesn't do, didn't start out in comedy to then change her like bubbly, like, you know, bubblegum type roles that she basically gets, you know, the fifties housewife, the, you know, the damsel in a distress kind of a deal, like, you know, where she's not the main focus of the film. And then to do a film like that, to do a film like monster where she's unrecognizable. Like when I saw that movie in the theater, I'm like, who the fuck is that? I mean, I'm, I'm more surprised by Heath Ledger doing something like Brokeback mountain. Right. But just a great like, movie. If you guys haven't seen it, it's an amazing movie about a couple of horse riders uh, who had to just move cattle across this crazy mountain. Uh, and you know, it's a great movie to watch. Um, so it's a long, it's a slow burn, but pay close. Um, so it's <laughs> it's a toss up, but like. My my initial reaction was still to do Charlize Theron over Jim Carrey. And maybe it's because in that particular movie, although that's the movie that, you know, allows him to start doing more of the, the serious roles, in that movie, you still basically see Jim Carrey. Yeah. Versus... In Monster, Charlize Theron is not recognizable at all. Yeah, it's a more dramatic departure from what they do. Right. So that's the thing. Like that's, you know, this is like. All right. All right. All right. All right. You win. Give it. I give up. Okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> Next, we've got Woody Harrelson, Adam Sandler, and Wesley Snipes. What does the four, five, and six spot look like? I think, um, I think Wesley Snipes in Tu Wong Fu, right, should go number four. Man, in terms of breaking typecast, I mean that is. <laughs> Right, like you don't get <laughs> much. That's the last fucking person you expect. Um, and honestly, Adam Sandler probably bringing up number five. Right, like because I mean, you, you do not expect that guy to have any fucking acting chops whatsoever. 
Well, no, and that's just looking at what he what he does. Well, I think the that. main reason is because even when he's doing good comedies, he's essentially doing like the same character. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, and and everything comes back to it's Billy Madison in in different fucking. That's world. what I was about exactly. to say. It's like, it's like if if um, Mike Myers never created like Austin Powers, but his Austin Powers was really just like Wayne from Wayne's World, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like every character was just like a different version of Wayne from Wayne's World, right? It's like. <laughs> that's that's what, that's exactly what Adam Sandler's movies were. Well, but they're all the same, and that's why you know that's why it's so it's yeah it's so different for him. You know, like when you go and go, oh shit! Like I didn't I didn't really think that guy could do anything other than be fucking Billy Madison, right? So yeah, so like Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good number five that's a good right. standard bearer for the for the list punch drunk love for sure and then uh we'll put woody harrelson at six natural born killers yeah i mean i mean woody harrelson you know you expect that guy to have some acting chops you know you right. expect him i mean is it a departure for sure but for sure is but it unexpected i don't really think so right um okay last three we've got jennifer aniston mcconaughey and keaton i gotta go with mcconaughey and killer joe yeah yeah killer joe mud like both of them you know basically come out like within a couple months of each other Mud especially, I, I don't remember Killer Joe, but Mud especially, like that fucking movie kind of creeped me the fuck out. Like he plays a super creepy motherfucker in that movie. Yeah, and it's yeah. I would I would almost say like McConaughey, McConaughey, Aniston, Keaton. Yeah, in yeah. that order, because you, I mean, like for a long time, like we all come to expect that Jennifer Aniston pretty much doesn't do anything other than. Rachel Green. Rachel Green. And like for a while, I think people are like really wanting her to break away from that typecast. And it just never mm-hmm. really happens in a dramatic fashion. And then she does Horrible Bosses, which is still a comedy, but she's such a cunt in that movie. And then Batman. Although I will say like, Batman definitely opened up the door for Keaton to do a lot of other stuff. Like, right. And I'm, and I'll say it again, find Pacific Heights and watch that movie. It will creep you the fuck out. Like it's one of these movies that just kind of like, Oh, I never want to own a, I I never want to be a home. Somebody that rents fucking homes. Like, yeah. What was that? Pacific Rim? Pacific Heights. Totally. That's a completely <laughs> different genre of movie. But all right. Pacific Heights. Pacifica. Yeah, I was going to watch that. Pacifico. Pacifico. I'll watch that go down my belly. For those who don't know, Pacifico is a beer. Okay, so we've got... 
uh, to nominate a honorable mention into the list. So, so we've got I Tom have, Cruise, Heath Ledger, and Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks. I think so too. Like I said, he was going to be my number two. Really? Yeah. Who do you, who was your honorable mention? He, uh, mine or Junior's? Both yours. Uh, mine was Tom Cruise, and Junior had Heath Ledger. Now I I. I think it comes down to the number of films. Remember, Heath Ledger only did a total of 23 films. Yeah, which is, I mean, That's it's really life. too bad. Did Tom Hanks' I mean, career by the time... Super early in the yeah, and then, man. Hold on, we, we did do... We got we got count the parts that he did in the... Uh, fucking, what was that? Uh, Mr. The Magic Emporium of Mr. Magorum? No. No. Uh... The Imaginarium of Mr. Parnassus. Yeah, and that is including yeah, his, his last movie. Imaginarium. Which, I mean, that's a, it's a weird fucking movie. Yeah. And then they all gave his money, their money to the fucking his kid or some shit like that. It was crazy. Yeah. But so, I, I, just, I just think that, like, like, Tom Hanks really hasn't done another movie like road to perdition except for or he's the bad guy the circle i think i think he was in the circle which i mean it's not the greatest movie but it was yeah hold on let me see um oh this is all of his producer credits no i want his acting credits here we go the road tradition um, comes out in 2002. Yeah, the circle that was 17. Uh, let's see. Yeah, even Cloud Atlas. You know, he was he was a good guy. Um. Let's see. God damn it! Quit. Bringing up the fucking producer credits. I don't want them. I don't want them. Okay, so prior to The Road to Perdition, he has 30-plus movie credits to his name before he makes the switch. That's not including TV shows like The Family Guy, or not Family Ties, uh, Bosom Buddies, which, you know. Dragnet. Dragnet. Well, that Turner and Hooch. I mean, I mean, the Money Pit, Volunteers, Man with One Red Shoe, Splash, Bachelor Party. Dude, I love that movie. Shut your fucking pie hole. Bonfires <laughs> of the Vanity. He was know, in. He, he was in an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt. Uh, a League Ooh, of their I, own. I mean, Philadelphia. A of their own. Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo yeah. 13. That Philadelphia was intense. It was. That's a super intense movie, but he's still the likable guy in them. Well, okay, I'm just trying to think. Like, If you're looking at his repertoire and as a casting agent or a director, you're trying to think, 
who would be good for this role. You don't think Tom Hanks? No, but I'm just trying to think. If you do come to the decision that you want Tom Hanks and you're trying to convince somebody else, like, no, this is this is like a real, like, I'm just trying to think what other roles in his career are you looking back onto and being like, look at look at him in this. The only thing you could maybe do would maybe be Maybe Saving Private Ryan? Saving, yeah, maybe Saving Private Ryan maybe band of brothers, but band of brothers had just come out. So they would have, he would have finished principal shooting left band of brothers and gone, and gone straight to road to perdition. Right. Which means they so, wouldn't have known about it. Exactly. So you have saving private Ryan, maybe, um, maybe Philadelphia, maybe tales from the crypt and maybe Apollo 13. They, you could also, you know, go back to like a league of their own. Yes. He's right. That, but he plays a fucking drunken asshole. Right. He's a dick. Yeah. You um, know, but what, so my point is, is that he has 30 plus movie credits and another half dozen TV show credits under his belt before he does road to perdition. Yeah. So it's a much more like, he has been more established and typecast by the time he does this movie versus Heath Ledger doing Brokeback Mountain, which was about halfway through his career. So Heath Ledger was like 12 or 13 credits into his. Which, I mean, like, if we're talking... The only reason why I'm I'm saying Tom Hanks over Heath Ledger. I mean, like, honestly, I, I know that I know that we're picking like the movie that like came first in terms of like breaking typecast, but like, like Brokeback Mountain isn't the movie. Like, like we all know that when we mention Heath Ledger on this list, it's not because of his performance in Brokeback Mountain. It's, it's because of the dark Knight, Right. So well, let's look at actually so cause so Well we're not going about recognition, we're going about the one that broke their type. Right. I know. So, you I mean, go- if we were going about recognition, then for me it would have been twenty three for so didn't care. Right. So like when you go back and look at Heath Ledger's credits, there's you know, Roar, like I, like, I don't know, Half, Home and Away. Like, they were all like, like rom-coms or just like romantic dramas. Like, they were, well, I, I mean, he did, he did he what does. a lot of actors did in the 90s, which was they got their start in TV. TV. And now it's the other way around. Like, p- actors will start in, t- in movies and go to TV because it's a much more stable gig. Um. So he does like 10 things I hate about you, two hands, and then he does the Patriot. And then, and some could argue that the Patriot is that role that really kind of, Hey, I can do more serious acting. Yeah. And then he does a Kenny gets tail with, you know, apparently, you know, back in that time they had electric guitars and played ACDC. No, that was, um, queen queen. You're right. Sorry. 
I mean, A Knight's Tale, one of my favorite movies, honestly. Lords, Lords, of, Lords of Dogtown. I mean, that is, again, it, he is really departing from, from what you, ex I mean, it's sort of what you expect because he is kind of playing like, you know, a, a beach bum. Right. But. Well, I'm not saying that there's not movies where he fucking didn't, not other movies where he didn't do a better job of breaking his head cap. I'm just saying the one that was the first, as far as I know, was Brokeback Yeah. 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 Like Lords of Dogtown comes out that same year as Brokeback Mountain. I mean, he is working his ass off. Right. In 2005. He's doing. I mean, the guy plays fucking Casanova, too. I mean, so yeah, it's not like does. it's not like he's not going back to those kinds of roles, you know? Right. But like, it, I'm just saying, like, I don't think it was nearly as dramatic a break as it was to see Tom Hanks do Road to Perdition. Yeah. That's, you don't think that Brokeback Mountain was a dramatic break? I don't think it was nearly as dramatic because Heath Ledger, when you look at his film credits, he's bouncing all over the place on the different kinds of roles he's playing. Sort We're still of. talking about a majorly homophobic society. Oh, I know. No, I, so like, I think that's I think that's a really good point, Junior. Male actors who have been in romantic comedies and lead romantic roles for most of their career, and they end up in a movie mm. where they fuck each other because they're so isolated on this mountain. No, I mean, I mean, Jake yeah, Gyllenhaal is any romantic comedies, right? That's dramatic as fuck. What do you mean? Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal is not really known for. Okay, well, I guess they're more romantic dramas than I. I but say. that's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's not the comedy part; it's the romance part. I mean, October Sky was. You know, kind of, I mean, Donnie Darko, dude. I mean, like, he was, like, that's his really big, like, breakout role. And that's a creepy fucking movie. A creepy fucking movie. Love yeah. It. Yeah. Um, so, so here's Heath Ledger's film credits, okay? And you point out the ones that are romantic in any way. Black Rock. Pause. Ten Things I Hate About You. Yes. Two Hands. Um, the Patriot. Two Hands, yeah, it's kind of... I wouldn't say that his role in The Patriot Roman evolved. It's, it's not. That's what I'm saying. The, the Patriot. A Knight's Tale. Yes. Romantic. Monster's Ball. No. Four Feathers. I have no fucking idea what that movie is. Ned Kelly. Again, the I don't. Order. I don't know. The order is not. It's about fucking religious shit. Lords of Dogtown. No. The Brothers Grimm. No. Brokeback Mountain. Yes. Casanova. Yes. Candy. Yes. I'm not there. Uh, no, I don't. I think I'm not there. That was a Bob Dylan biopic. Something, yeah. So. Of the 
five that you said, there three is. of them come after Brokeback Mountain, or two of them come after Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, it's all those early, I mean, 10 Things I Hate About You, Two Hands. Brokeback Mountain as a romantic movie. So three of them are Brokeback Mountain and two after. So he only had two potential romantic movies prior to that. Mm. Which means 18 of his credits came prior to Brokeback Mountain. Of those 18, only two were considered romantic. So that's one ninth of his film credits prior to Brokeback Mountain were well, romantic. I say that, that was breaking his typecast. It's that is establishing his typecast. That's establishing his typecast versus Tom Hanks, who had thirty plus movie credits before he broke his typecast. If anything, the break from his typecast was it might have been um it might have been the Patriot. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know Two Hands, where he plays Jimmy. Um, two Hands. That was the. That was the. Um, that's the one where they're like they're both thieves. I think. Um, a local gangster, when some gang loot disappears and sets him on our run from thugs. Meanwhile, two street kids start a shopping spree when they find the missing money okay so they're it's like um it's like a bonnie and clyde kind of yeah, movie. but they're spending the money that they didn't steal so i mean again it's it's one of those movies where it's 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 not supposed to be a romantic movie but it 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 is structured in a way where they're where they're they're lovers, they're criminal lovers. But that's so you have ten things I hate about you, two hands, not sure what the fuck pause is, but he was in Home and Away, which was, you know, a TV show. But like you look at everything up until and that's something like I think Patriot is a better break of his typecast, proving that he can do more than just these teenager in love horseshit fucking but i mean he he reestablishes that role if if anything it would be either the patriot or like the lords of dogtown maybe even the brothers grim well but look the, at but like see this or- this is what i'm saying you pick brokeback mountain and everybody knows that's not the movie you're talking about. Everybody knows for a fact that we put Heath Ledger on this list and we're talking about the dark Knight. Right. But when you think about like, even before broke back Mountain, there's the order. Like see, I've never even the seen the order. Like, I don't even know what the fuck that movie is. Basically, he's sent to the Vatican to to investigate the death of the the head of his, you know, religious order. Okay, so what the fucking Da Vinci Code before the Da Vinci Code? Because um, that was a book, wasn't it? The Order. Yeah, I believe it was. But that's you know, so but that comes after the Patriot. So like when you go backwards in Heath Ledger stuff. I still think the Patriot is 
that role that breaks him out of what was being established as he's being typecast as the teenage love interest. I'm, I'm still going to argue, man. We're all talking about the dark Knight. Cause again, it, we, we're going to make the same argument with Robin Williams then that he's breaking away from comedy roles and he gets one dramatic role and now that's him breaking from the typecast? No. He can do drama. He can do comedy. What breaks him away from that typecast is his role in One Hour Photo. Right, where he goes and does plays that psychotic character. So what I'm saying is Heath Ledger, he can do he can do rom-coms, he can do romantic dramatic roles. He can he can be a lead. Right? He can be the love interest whether it be male or female. What breaks him away from all of that, from basically those two kinds of roles is the Dark Knight. Right. So that's that's and that's the one that everyone's going to argue for Heath Ledger is that the Dark Knight is the role that I think we lost Junior again. Did we? Yeah. Maybe uh, was is his phone dead or something like that? Did your phone die? Shit! Hold on. Muted from now on. Yeah. I didn't oh. hear Chris at all, and then I. Yeah, what it was? Noah. Turned on my, to tell you. Noah turned on my earbuds trying to pair them with his switch, so. Mm. But. So I, I think the Joker, you know, playing the Joker in The Dark Knight is that, is true was truly that break from what he was, was known not. for. That's the thing. It's not. It's a dramatic break, but it wasn't the break. It was, I mean, you talk, if that's the argument from start to finish in your thing, you're saying that he had a typecast, Patriot broken into this teen love interest typecast, and then Do you he remember broke the out Patriot? into another typecast in Dark Knight. I mean, okay, in the Patriot, but it wasn't really. I mean, look, he no, 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 no. Junior's right. In the Patriot, he is he is playing a essentially a a a teenage heartthrob. But but buddy, stop flicking it. Sorry, Junior. No, I flicked open my earbuds again. They got married. He went off again, and then by the time he came back, they fucking burned her in the church. Right. So I, I think I think you're I think you're right, Junior. The Patriots not a good example. Yeah, like they set it up, so they run into each other as he's signing up for the war because they went into town or whatever. Yeah. So they set it up, then he goes away off in the war, comes back, tells her he loves her. They get married. He goes off in the war again, comes back, and she's dead. Like. It's like you could argue that they played with it, but it's definitely not something that established that. His entire role there was, you know, a vengeance fucking son and a vengeance lover. Uh, actually, it wasn't. Her brother and a lover. It, was, it wasn't It was so much vengeance. It was uh, 
that he wanted to do his patriotic duty to for the country. Right, but his <laughs> his his role in that movie can be summed up in two sentences. Fuck you, dad. I'm not going to do what you tell me. And I remember you. Oh shit. You're kind of hot now. Right? Cuz that's, that's that's what happens in the movie. He picks on her as a, as a kid. Yeah, I mean, he definitely wasn't a main character, so it wasn't a hard focus on him. I mean, he died. Uh, his death was kind of dramatized. So, I mean, he was intended to be, but the amount of lines he got and the amount of screen time was no more than any of the other supporting actors in any way. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I just, I think... the two-hour mark. I think I think the Patriots a bad example of him breaking the typecast. I think he establishes again he can play a lead role for sure, and he can play dramatic and less dramatic romantic roles. And him breaking away from the typecast of those two types, which again. Robin Williams is the same fucking way. He can play comedic roles and he can play dramatic roles. If we're going to say that, that Robin Williams one hour photo is not him breaking away from the typecast, then we have to make the argument for Robin Williams that him breaking away from the typecast is his very first dramatic role. And we know that's bullshit. We know that's a bullshit argument that him breaking away from the typecast is in one, is in one hour photo which I think we have to make the same argument for Heath Ledger is that him breaking away from the typecast is the dark Knight. It's not Brokeback mountain. It's not the Patriot. It's not a Knight's tale. It's not Lords of Dogtown. It's not the brothers Grimm. It's the dark Knight. And unfortunately he dies a year later, a year later. And we never get to see that come to fruition, but while shooting the imaginary right and that's the and, and honestly June that's the only reason that I'm picking Tom Hanks over him is because there's not enough after whether we choose the Dark Knight or Brokeback Mountain there's not enough after his credits or there's not enough before his credits so he does he's not established well enough in his typecast when the break happens. Mm, he's pretty or, well established for sure. Or, okay. So he, he's established, but there's nothing after it. Right? right. Cause he's got essentially 22, 21 credits under his belt before he really breaks away. If we're, if we're going with the dark Knight argument and not broke back mountain argument, he's got 21 credits broke back mountain. He's got 18 and right. Uh, Tom Hanks, you said what was 31? He's broken his typecast twice. And the more dramatic one that we're all favoring is the darkness. Brokeback Mountain, again, he's, he's playing a romantic role. You made the argument that Brokeback Mountain was a 
historically uh, significant movie. And I agree with you there. In terms of um, movies that you that are like breaking society's typecast. Right. Like the Brokeback Mountain is way the fuck up there. For right. sure. Right up there with like Philadelphia. Like. Right, yeah, exactly. Like that's a it like that's a movie that's very against the grain for right. society. But that's not what we're talking about. Right. Which but honestly Brian, honestly you know what he wasn't really established as the lover type. He had maybe one or two movies before that. That could have arguably been I mean, uh, you know, uh, A Knight's Tale, The Patriot, Ten Things I Hate About You, Two Hands, like those four movies right there well establish him as being able to play rom-coms or uh, uh, no, romantic dramas. Yep, exactly. Okay, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. So this is where the confusion was. That I was like, I thought that you guys were saying completely entirely different, but yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just I saying. That's why he was my honorable mention. This was the movie that broke into that right. lover so, type fucking role. Right. And I thought it was right. broke back And what we're talking about is, who are, of the honorable mentions, who are we moving up? Well, no, I mean, uh, this is, honestly, this is our fault for not establishing the specificity of the topic. Happens to us all the time. So, I mean, uh, is is this junior's fault no no it's nobody's fault i mean that's the whole point of the podcast is like we have to be able to talk about that i blame marijuana <laughs> is that because you're in love with mary jane mary jane abba zabba you my only friend love your dad <laughs> okay so um yeah i think i think tom hanks should go in at number 10 for sure and, and again, the only reason I say Tom Hanks is because the body of work is larger. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All right. Yep. There it is. Strong argument to 10. Tom Hanks. Um, okay, Dad. So who are you going to put in as your alternate in your honorable mention now that Tom Hanks uh, is off your list? I have to look it up. Hold on. Because there is... You made such a strong argument and you didn't even you didn't even have one ready by now? Dude, I had three honorable mentions that I had to cross out. I has anybody seen Foxcatcher? No. And it looked interesting, but because um, that's one of those movies that like it came up in other people's lists online and that's a movie I wanted to see. Cause I've seen the documentary. That's the one about um John DuPont and the the oh, Olympic the Olympic yeah, wrestling team. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it, but I do remember uh, watching something else. But there's a documentary. About yeah, it. yeah. There's a documentary about it. Um, I think it's I think it's called Team Foxcatcher, which is what I mean, which is what I'm the really Foxcatcher facility. One of you picked Brian Cranston. Oh my God, Brian Cranston. That's I right. Was, I was going to, but it was kind of the same argument. It was like, 
I don't feel that he broke his typecast in a movie. I think I, he broke his typecast in series. Yeah, I mean, Brian Cranston's also one of those actors where, like, you're not like it. It's not really a surprise. Like he get he kind of gets typecast a little bit for doing Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, but like you go back and look at his body of work. Like he, Brian Cranston's an actor's actor. Like I mean, the, the man can do just about anything. Well, I mean, he did so much TV, and he right. is all over the place. I mean, he is in yeah. fucking everything, everything. dude. Um, he's one. He's one of these guys that was like a C, a like B, C level actor for decades. I mean, just right. like grinding away, working. Like, I rem I remember him. I can't remember what it was. He got um, he got the audition for um, for what was it? Uh, uh, um, fuck. Why am I blanking on the name of his Breaking Bad? Jesus. He got the um, audition for Breaking Bad. And at the time, he was still working a day job. Um, doing like um, like catering or something like that. Wow. And this is, I mean, Breaking Bad's what, 08? Yeah, yeah, it's like 08 to 2013 or something like that. I mean, the biggest thing that he had on on his resume at the time was the Cleveland show and The Simpsons before that. And I mean, like, you got to think, this guy was in so fucking many things, and he was still broke, basically. Still working a day job. Yeah. He's, he's in the Madagascar movies. He's an archer. Larry Crown. And this wasn't like a quality over quantity thing because all his roles were fucking great. The Lincoln Lawyer. I mean, he's in John Carter. He's in Total Recall. Hard Four. Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. But, you know, he's just one of these working actors where, you know. He's basically getting scale or a little above that. Right. So, I mean, he's basically... He's basically getting pennies compared to, you know, everybody else that's on that's on the casting list, right? Right. There's a bunch of actors that are making, you know, twenty million dollars and he's sitting here making like He was on Seinfeld. You know, ten grand or whatever. And if you're living in LA that it's not a lot. You're you know, that ten thousand dollars is gone within Two months, three months. Shit, fucking Tino has stories that when he was splicing fiber down in L.A., he they got paid weekly, and he'd get paychecks over 10, 12 grand for a week. And he'd get paid on Friday and be broke on Sunday because he was going out living the L.A. lifestyle. Right. Or even, He's, you know, you got a family, which I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Brian Tino Cranston, you know, but, um, so for my honorable mention, I'm going to do Jonah Hill. Ooh. Moneyball. Ooh, I was going to do him for war dog. Uh, I'm going with Moneyball because it's that first real role for him where he's not the fucking chubby fat kid that, you know, everybody pokes fun of and fucking comedies. 
right um i don't know if anybody's seen it um but his his movie uh jonah hill's movie oh what was it um mid 90s came out in 2018 is a really great movie and it's it flew under the radar it's an a24 movie so i mean a24 that production house makes really really excellent movies like all the time but this is like a super indie flick about like a coming of age tale of this young kid who makes friends with like this group of skaters in LA and they just they just dick around skating all day and it is a really excellent movie and it fucking Jonah Hill wrote and directed it and like nobody knows about this movie it's so fucking good all right what we call mid 90s Okay, let's uh, let's wrap this up. We're over two hours. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, we have got our list now. Number one, Robin Williams for One Hour Photo. Number two, Charlize Theron for Monster. Number three, Jim Carrey for The Truman Show. Number four, Wesley Snipes, Tu Wong Fu, Adam Sandler at the standard bearing number five for Punch Drunk Love. Woody Harrelson for Natural Born Killers. Matthew McConaughey in Killer Joe, uh, Jennifer Aniston in Horrible Bosses, Michael Keaton at number nine in Batman, and Tom Hanks at the caboose for Road to Perdition. Then we've got honorable mentions, Tom Cruise, Heath Ledger, and Jonah Hill. All right. Great list. Great list. Decent. Let's, uh, what, what are we going to do next? Um, I mean, if we're, if we're gonna, I think we should do Robin Williams movies, man. We're going to do something not film related. Yeah, like we do back to back film. I know, but I want to do it so bad. Let's, let's save that one for the one after. Um, let me take a look here. What we've got coming out. What was the previous episode? On the episode lists we've got. Um, football is going to drop tomorrow. Okay. Uh, muscle cars is going to drop at the end of the month. Okay. And then this is, this episode's going to drop, um, the second week of July. We haven't done music. Yeah. We haven't done music in a while. I still go with, uh, top 10 bands with, uh, a number in their title. The more I think about this, I'm like, oh. I'd say top 10 bands with one hit wonder. That's Ooh, too hard. That's really to difficult. Narrow that so much. I mean, we could do like 80s one hit wonders. That, yeah. Or 80s, 90s one hit wonders. We did like an era. Yeah, you would have to do an era for sure. Um, like that. Well, there's a lot of artists with one hit wonders. I don't feel like there's a lot of fans with one hit wonders. I feel like it's still decent. No, there are. There's tons, dude. There's, if you so don't watch many. The Professor of Rock on YouTube, trust me, there are. Or um, if you, uh, Rick Beato, Rick Beato's YouTube, he does a, 
he's a, a guitar player um, who's a, a lot like the professor of rock. I actually found Rick Beato through the professor of rock, which thanks for um, incepting all of that shit in my head, dad. Um, Cause now I, now that's like, like half of my recommendations is just like just a bunch of shit that comes through the professor of rock now. Um, but it's just cool to hear. The he does, he does a bunch of these like songs that you don't remember songs that fly under the radar songs right. that everybody forgets about. Rick Beato does a bunch of like, he does a bunch of those. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, <laughs> that's a, that's a very broad category. Um, I, if we're going to do music, maybe we should do, um, um, best, best, like, um, uh, single, single album bands, like bands that came out, only made one album and then they're gone. Are they truly gone or like the album, like the, uh, their one album was it and no, like, like, like they specifically were like, we're only going to do this one album and then the bands break like, um, like, um, what was it? Temple, Temple of the Dog, um, Them Crooked Vultures, um, you know, bands like that. Right. I say we go with June's idea for... Uh, one Hit Wonders era. One Hit Wonders, but we got to pick a, we have to pick an era. I think we should do the 80s, man. The 80s were so, mm. we're, we're chocked full of One Hit Wonders. So, so were the 70s. So were the, like every era there's, one hit but wonder no, I mean, I mean, the '80s was was so specific because that's when all the music video one hit wonders started coming out. Yeah, and it really exploded in the '80s because of MTV. June, what do you think? So just '80s one hit wonders doesn't have to be band, no, and we can, single artist. Nope, and we can do this one as hit a wonders of the '80s. We can do this as a running series. So we can do one hit wonders. And the first one in the series that we're doing is, you know, one hit wonders of the eighties. Okay. I'm excited. I can't wait I to like, just a lot have more professor of rock. I know you fucking, that that fucking yacht rock picks, man. Just yacht rock all goddamn day. <laughs> <laughs> that would be more for the seventies. That's true. <laughs> But the, right. I mean, the eighties were big on it too, for sure. All right. With that, we are out this motherfucker. Rock on.